Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your cup of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of Proverbs in chapter number 1. The book of Proverbs in chapter number 1. And we're continuing with our series of the five types of fool. And this is a series that so far we're only in third message in, but I have received lots of feedback, a lot of positive feedback, a lot of helpful feedback, a lot of things that say, this is, this is good stuff, this is what we need. There are some that said, hey, I recognize this and, and lives of people around me. And one of the things is we want to be helpful. The Bible is helpful. And we need to recognize ourselves. We need to recognize what the Bible says about others. And we need to know how to treat and deal with those who are around us. This is a type of message in a series that other preachers have already uh, asked and inquired about. And we want to be a blessing as much as we can. But as for now, for us, we are directing this for us and our church specifically. And anyone else who's around, we'd be glad to help. But we want to have wisdom and discernment for ourselves. Notice, if you wouldn't mind, in the book of Proverbs in chapter number 1. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7, our jumping off point for this series, is says this, Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and and instruction. If you don't mind, let's continue to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you once again for the great privilege it is to be in your house today. And I'm asking that you would give grace, that you would give mercy, that you would give much understanding once again today. Lord, I'm begging for your power. I'm begging for you to work. I, I ask set me aside, Lord, my, my will, my desire, my tongue. I give it to you and place it at your feet. Once again, I beg for your power that this would be a life-changing message. This would be a helpful message. This would help us to have wisdom and discernment for ourselves and for those around us. Lord, as we go further into these stages of fools, we know that these people get more and more critical. Help us, Lord, to do our part to help whoever we can. And in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. There are five Hebrew words that, dis, that are translated into the word fool into our English language. And what we're doing in this series is that we're going through each one and showing the spirit aggression. The first fool is the simple fool, just simply called the simple in the Bible. And this is a type of fool who's not evil. They're not mean. They just don't have discernment. They don't think about their actions. They just do stuff. And then the consequences come. Because of this, they're very naive. They're dangerously so. And they can often find themselves in trouble because someone else got them in trouble. You know, they forced me with their lips, the Bible says, is something they said. They forced me. They forced me. You know, they double dog dared them with cherry on top. They got them in trouble. And things they normally probably wouldn't do on their own, they do because others are around them. And the problem they have is that they have not received consistent 
steady discipline in their lives. So because of this, they've never understood there's consequences for their action. Unfortunately, if they do not receive correction, if they do not receive discipline, if they don't receive this steady, consistent discipline, unfortunately, they'll progress to the second type of fool, which is the silly fool. Now, the difference between the simple fool and the silly fool is whereas the simple fool didn't try to get in trouble, the silly fool has found out that when he got in trouble, when he broke the rules, nothing happened to him. He got away with it. And what happened is that he started developing a secret ingredient called pride. And he started to believe that his way was right and others were wrong. (coughs) So what happens is that they become almost a know-it-all. You can't teach them because they know it all. You try to say this is the way to get it done. And they disregard the instruction. You try to help them out. Even something simple. Something like someone saying, Hey, why don't you sing in church? And they said, Ah, you know, that's no big deal. When they understand that there's spiritual implications. There's a big deal behind it. And there's a reason why they're being asked. Not just because we want to hear your lovely voice. But there's spiritual implications as well. And something as small as that. Or as something as big as something else. Where parents are saying, Don't do this. But they said, oh, what's wrong with that? I've done it before. They have pride. They think their way is the best way. And once again, they are not corrected with steady discipline. And so what happens, their pride gets involved and they become the third type of fool, which we're going to talk about tonight, the sensual fool. And once again, it's going to add another ingredient inside of this, the first Fool, the simple fool, (coughs) was just someone who was naive, lacked discernment, didn't try to get in trouble, just found himself in trouble. The second one had pride. He did these things, never got in trouble before, started to believe that his way was right. And then we go to the third type of fool. And if the third type of fool is not stopped, he'll go into the scorning fool. And then finally, the steadfast fool. Now, a fool is someone who does not follow the wisdom of God. God gives specific wisdom and a fool disregards the wisdom of God. And to explain that there's a difference between a fool and someone who is foolish. Someone who is foolish just makes a decision that is against God's wisdom. A fool has made it his habit of life to disregard God's wisdom. So distinguishing these fools will help us to let us know when to counsel and the type of counseling they should receive. We've explained before that there are different degrees of fools and that they go through steps of a degression, that they go from one fool to another to another to another and they need to be stopped before they go too far. Something has to intervene. They will not get better by themselves and that's something we've tried to put an emphasis on. They will not get better by themselves. Something has to intervene within them. Now the third fool that talk about tonight is the sensual fool the sensual fool you can even notice within that that word the sensual the sensation they live for the here and now let's describe this fool if you don't mind this type of fool the hebrew is kessel this is someone who fails to receive the correction of either parental or public authority or someone who reacts to it so when someone doesn't receive the correction from authority 
they get away with it. And they start to develop more and more pride and they step into sin. This is a type of fool who reacts to it. That whenever someone tries to give them instruction, they react to that instruction. This is going to be a step further. This word literally means, that word literally means to be fat, sluggish, dull, or obstinate. I mean, it kind of has the idea of their, their thinking. That you're trying to say, all right, do this, do this, do this. And they don't move. They don't move at all. It denotes someone who is bent on making wrong choices. This is someone who almost purposely makes wrong decisions. They're always constantly making wrong decisions. We all know people like this that they, it just seems like on purpose they go and find the wrong choice and take that wrong choice. And there's a reason because of this. It is not because they have a mental deficiency. Though sometimes we don't understand how they think and we think there's something wrong with their head. But instead, he has rejected the wisdom of God and has set what brings him immediate pleasure. Now let me tell you what changed between these fools. The first fool just lacked discernment. But because he wasn't corrected, he got into trouble and no one really corrected him and he got away with it. He felt guilty about it, but he got away with it and he starts to develop pride. And the second fool is the one who's known for his mouth because he knows it all and he keeps talking and he knows it all. The third type of fool, what has changed? He has entered into sin. What has changed? He has entered into sin. Whether it's pornography, whether it's fornication, whether it's um, some type of material type gain. Maybe it's drugs, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's uh, smoking. What has happened is they've entered into sin. When you enter into that type of sin, it changes you. When a child, by the way, pornography is being exposed to children younger and younger and younger. Pornography changes how a young man thinks. I'm assuming it changes how a young lady thinks, but I'm not a young lady, so I may not understand, but I know how a guy thinks. It changes how a guy thinks. Alcohol is being exposed to children younger and younger and younger. Alcohol changes a person. Gambling changes a person. All of these are sins. And what has happened is that the fool has now took another step and he has crossed a line and he has entered into sin. And this sin changed him some way or another. Now, preteens can, can sometimes get into this fooldom, but oftentimes as a teenager, still at a preteen, they're pretty well guarded and they're protected. Some of them are. But when they get to teenagers, they got more and more freedom and more and more leash to go get in trouble. And this is a dangerous thing. It is a dangerous thing because sin always has consequences, and it changes people. Now, this type of fool, his God is his belly, and he glories in what he should be ashamed of. Remember the first two fools we talked about still had guilt about what they did. Even if they're not saved, they still have guilt because we all have a moral conscience. We all have a moral compass. And that conscience has been violated, and they feel guilt. Now, because this 
fool has stepped into sin, it has changed his moral compass. And now he brags about the sin that he's in. To this day, I cannot understand how people brag about getting publicly drunk. And how they said, oh man, I had a great time. And the next day I just stood by the porcelain throne. Woo, and next week I'm going to do it again. I don't understand that. You say, well, you never did it. Well, that's fine. I still don't understand it. You know, but when you enter into sin, it changes your compass. It changes your conscience. It changes things. And you begin to brag. You begin to glory. You begin to enjoy the sin. You know, sin is fun. <gasps> People go, oh, preacher said that. Yeah, sin's fun. Hey, if it wasn't fun, we wouldn't do it. And when people get into gross sin and they get away with it, it is a thrill. It is a high. It is something that they go, this is, oh, I can get in a way with it. But sin always has consequences. It always has consequences. Now, notice what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 23. The Bible says this. It is as sport to a fool to do mischief, but a man of understanding hath wisdom. Here it's talking about this sensual fool. And it says it's as a sport. That means, you know sporting events. People go to sport. They, they play sports because there's a thrill. There's a high. There, there's something to it. It's a sport to a fool to do mischief. That means he looks forward to it. There's a thrill, there's a high of participating with it. He's looking forward to sinning. He's looking forward to getting and breaking the rules. He's, there's something to it. And, and a fool is looking forward to getting in trouble. So things that normal people would think about and they go, no, no. The fool says, oh yeah, yeah, I can do that. I can get away with that. Yeah, I want to try that. They've crossed the line and the moral compass, their conscience, has been violated. The Bible says more about this fool in the book of Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs 13 verses 19 and 20, the Bible says this. The desire accomplished is sweet to the soul, but it is an abomination to fools to depart from evil. Now, notice this phrase here. It's speaking to the idea from a fool's point of view. All right? It's an abomination for fools to depart from evil. That means it's against nature for fools to say, Oh, no, no, I'm going to not choose evil today. Fools are looking forward to that trouble. They're, you know, and again, right-minding people, we kind of scratch our head and said, This sounds wrong. But to a fool, they're looking for that next time they could sneak out of the house. They're looking for that next rendezvous. They're looking for that next thrill, that next... Um, time where they could the rules and get away with it I could sneak out and mom will never know I can steal from mom's purse and she'll never figure out they get to the place where they get a thrill where where they just it's they couldn't think of doing something right choosing the right path they've bent their moral compass is messed up he that walketh with wise men shall be wise but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. This is important. This is the same fool. The, for, the fool here, he can't help but to get in trouble. But the companion of fools, he shall be destroyed. Why is this important? 
because he appears to be very prosperous and thus becomes the object for simple and silly fools to follow. This fool has gotten away with sin. This fool has gotten away with trouble. This sin has broke the rules and he's still standing. And the silly fool and the sensual fool go, wow, look at this guy. I mean, my mom said, don't do that, but he did it and he didn't get in trouble. Oh, my mom says I'm not supposed to do this, but look at him. He looks like he's having a good time. You see, what happens, they look at him as an object to pattern their life after. And they will step into more fooldom because of the influence of this guy who has gone into sin, who has broken the rules, and he has seemed to get away with it. Notice what the book of Proverbs says in Proverbs 1, 7. That is not the right verse. Forgive me, I'll look that up for you later. But it says, For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. Notice this, for the turning away of the simple, so it's that simple fool shall slay them and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. Notice that first them, that them, it says, it says them, not him, meaning those that follow him. What happens is that the simple fool and the silly fool will hang around the sensual fool and the sensual fool will purposely go get in trouble And what happens? His little followers are the ones that always get caught. And he doesn't. Sometimes he'll get caught too. But people said, man, I didn't steal the car. I was just in it. Well, guess what? You're in trouble too. Hey, you're at a party with underage drinking. And I didn't drink. I was just there. Guess what? You're in trouble too. And what happens is that the simple fool has no discernment. He doesn't understand that there's consequences to this. The silly fool, he, he, he says, well, mom's not supposed to say don't do it, but I think I could do it. No, I will never get caught. You see, what is happening is that he, they're both going to get in trouble because the one guy who purposely got in trouble. And by the way, we all know people in our sphere of influences, who's that one guy. And many of us, when we were younger, hung out with that one guy, maybe for a little bit, and we got in trouble because someone else did something stupid. And we got in trouble because by association. They don't understand they can get in trouble just by being with someone. Let's say that someone's doing drugs. Don't you understand you can get in trouble by being with that guy? There's all kinds of things. We have, to, we have to teach them discernment. But that's part of this other fool's thing is they don't have discernment. They don't see that there's trouble there. This type of fool doesn't care. He'd prefer not to get in trouble, but he's breaking the rules and he's getting a thrill out of it. He's getting a thrill out of it. Notice what else the Bible says. Proverbs 23, 9. Proverbs 23, 9. Speak not in the ears of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of thy words. The Bible is very clear. This stage of a fool, you're not to speak into the ears of a fool. What does this mean? This means that you are not supposed to counsel them. The answer is not counseling. The answer is severe punishment. You see, they've gotten away with sin 
for so long and they're already at the place where they will not receive instruction. You can go up to this fool and says, hey, I love you a lot. Why, why do you do that? Why don't you, don't you understand you'll get in trouble? And they do not listen. You could talk to them till they're blue in the face and you will not convince them. This is where people get off the tracks. You cannot counsel them. You say, you sound harsh, preacher. No, I'm quoting to you the Bible. Part of our society is that we've lost our belly and we want to reform rather than correct. We want to counsel with them instead of fix the problem. Now, my way is much more loving because we're trying to protect them. But if someone has already decided to do something wrong, making new laws is not going to change their mind. Trying to give more education is not going to change their mind. When they've already decided what is right, and I could do this and I don't care what you say, they're going to break whatever law you make or whatever rule you make. They're going to break whatever uh, counseling you're going to give them. Many of them can sit there listening to a counting section, a counseling session and check out and think of something else in their mind and they could even nod every now and again. And counseling doesn't work. What they understand is severe, swift Counseling doesn't work with these fools. We have to correct them. Notice what the Bible says. Proverbs 26.3. Proverbs 26.3 says, A whip for the horse, a bridle for the ass, and a rod for the fool's back. Notice what all these things have in common. All of these are tools made to conform a creature. A whip for the horse. You use a whip not to be mean. We raised horses. We broke horses. You're not trying to kill the horse, but you use it to get it to obey instruction. You know, give them a little snap and they will follow instruction. What do you use a bridle for? You put a bridle inside of an animal's mouth to control, to steer it. You know how you steer and control a fool? With a rod to spank them, to punish them, severe punishment. They need it. That is how they're going to course correct. Some people say, preacher, I don't want you to talk about this. I don't. Well, it's necessary. It is necessary. Notice what the Bible says in Proverbs 26.3. Proverbs 26.3. Judgments are prepared for scorners and stripes for the back of the fool. Again, this is talking about that these are terms. How is the only way you deal with a fool? You don't sit and say, well, tell me all your problems. You correct them. That's what they understand. They need to understand there's consequences for their actions. Now, <laughs> we're going to step into a little bit more. A sensual fool is someone who has refused to listen and he has taken a next step and it's going to require severe punishment. The silly fool or simple fool, the, the, there's a punishment for it, but it's not that severe. It's just lovingly correct him don't do that again the silly fool who thinks he knows it all what is going to happen is that he's going to have to understand there's consequences but now this fool has taken a step 
into sin. And now the sin has consequences. And that's what he's going to have to respond to is the consequences that come up. Now, something else about this fool that's going to be the trademark of it is that the sensual fool, he's unreasonable. We've already talked about this. You cannot reason with him. You cannot convince him that what he is doing is wrong because his moral compass is messed up. All right, let's take someone. Let's use specific examples, not people, but things we know. Let's say that we have a young teenager who's decided to start drinking. Once he has started drinking, you could counsel and you could educate him, but you're not going to convince him that drinking is wrong once he has begun drinking and enjoying it. You understand what I mean? You have someone who started doing drugs. You could counsel them, you could explain to them, but let me tell you, you are not going to convince them just reasoning with them. If some young man has decided to jump into pornography... You're not going to be able to convince him and pull him away because what's going to happen is that he's developed an appetite and a craving for it. You understand what I'm saying is that they've stepped into sin and they're enjoying it. And you're not going to talk them away from what they enjoy. They like sin. They like sin. Now, this type of fool has also learned how to deceive and hide things from authority. This is one of the characteristics. They have learned to sneak out the window when no one's looking. They have learned how to hide things in their bed. By the way, this isn't part of the thing. Parents, as long as they're living in your room, your house, you have every authority to search their room. They don't like it, but you're the parent. They should, let me, this is preference now, okay? This isn't Bible. This is preference. My personal belief is that No, none, absolutely not, teenager on down should ever have a TV or a computer in their room. Why? Because there's so much junk. And they can get access to it and they can learn to hide. And by the way, most of you parents understand that your kids are more computer illiterate than you are. And they know how to hide. They know how to delete. They know how to get rid of things. And they've learned how to deceive. I understand this is where teenagers hate me. Let me tell you, I'm your best friend. You know, I have a computer and it is facing, uh, in my house, it is facing so everyone can see it. Why? Accountability. I I couldn't even think about looking at something I'm not supposed to because someone's going to come up behind me and look. I have it that way on purpose for accountability because anyone is capable of anything at any time. And I'm not saying teenagers are evil and whatever else. I'm saying society is evil and you don't give place to the flesh. Now, I'm giving my personal preference. I don't like kids with cell phones. That is my preference. Why? Because you could look up anything on a cell phone. Today, they're smartphones. They're smart because they can get a hold of anything. And I'm saying you got to look out because they are liars. <laughs> we all know that. And some of us may have unfortunately hit some of these things. They know how to sneak. They know how to get away. They know how to manipulate. They know how to lie. They know how to blame someone else. They are skilled at deception. And they know how to get away from authority and hide things from them. Notice what the Bible says. 
Proverbs 17, 25. Proverbs 17, 25. A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her, that's mom, that bear him. You see, before those stages of fool was stuff that was stuff that needed to be corrected. But now he has stepped into sin and there's consequences for this. You know, it is a grief. It breaks a dad's heart when a son has stepped into sin. You know, it's a bitterness towards a mom to know that her kid is lying to her and deceiving her and she knows that he's stuck in sin. You know, it breaks a parent's heart. You see, the other two were still corrected and you could correct them without major consequences. Now the consequences have begun. And the parent who did not, now remember, it all starts at the home. I'm sorry to to be so blunt, but it starts at the home. And the parent who didn't do consistent discipline at home, she is going to raise someone who is going to break her heart. And this is why we're preaching this. We're trying to protect people, trying to keep them from breaking the parent's heart. The Bible goes on, Proverbs 18 Proverbs chapter 18, verses 6 through 7. Here's another characteristic that we're going to see here. A fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calls for strokes. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. You know what this is talking about? Disrespect. You see, because their moral compass is messed up, they have also entered into a new phase of disrespect. Now, disrespect comes in different ways. Remember, they're disregarding and reacting to authority. So a mom says, don't do that. And they react. Sometimes it's their mouth that talks back. Don't you tell me what to do. Ooh, boy. You know, sometimes disrespect comes with the eye roll. That is disrespect. Sometimes they get the little mouth... That is disrespect. This is dangerous, very dangerous, very, very dangerous. And it should not be tolerated. Never, never, never. Talking back to authority should always get you in trouble and should be punished. Parents, if you allow disrespect to go on, it's going to get worse because they got away with it. Can you imagine someone going up to a police officer and the police officer said, can I see your license? And they roll their eyes at them. Shouldn't they get in trouble? Shouldn't they, you know, and speeding, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Parents, don't you accept it either. You're the parent. You say, but I don't want to fight with my child. They're going to break your heart worse if you don't stop it now. You don't stop it now. I'm trying to say, by the time they get to the place where they're disrespectful, there's already some heart issues that need to be fixed. And this is just observations coming out of what's inside. You have to take care of this. They are known for that disrespect. The the second fool, the silly fool, he was a know-it-all. He wasn't necessarily trying to be disrespectful. He just knew it all. And it was just pride. This is different than pride. 
This is outright contempt and disrespect for authority. And they'll show it in different ways. There's all kinds of different ways. Sometimes they'll just stare at you. Have you ever seen someone give that just deadening stare where it was just the stare was disrespectful? That's disrespect. Sometimes they wait till authority leaves and yeah, you know, and they disrespect them behind. That is still disrespect. By the way, most of the time they will talk under their breath, daring you to turn around and take care of it. And when you walk away, they won. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to love on you. I'm trying to tell you the truth. But this is important. By the time the disrespect comes, there's something wrong. And we're going to talk more about that in just a bit. Talking back to authority should always be punished. Notice, if you wouldn't mind, Proverbs 15, 20, Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 20. A wise son maketh a glad father. But notice this. But a foolish man despiseth his mother. This is that idea of disrespect that he's got to the place where he hates his mama. He may not say hate, but that's what that disrespect turns to. Mama told me to do something. Yeah, right. That's despise. That's no honoring to your parents and her authority. This is bad. Horribly bad. This is bad. And the Bible is explaining this, that this is a third stage. This is something that should have been corrected. And now the consequences have come up, not only for the consequences for the fool, but the consequences of the parents, because they had somewhere along the lines, something has happened with the discipline at home. And it has been neglected. It hasn't been consistent. There's been something going on. And this is a heartbreak. And even as we talk about it, I can almost tell there's a heartbreak because we recognize this. The problem is, is that sometimes we don't want to deal with it. But we recognize it. We've seen it in our own lives, in other people's lives. We were there. I mean, I've seen teenagers disrespect their parents and I'm almost like waiting for them to get knocked down. Ooh, you know, I almost want to twist their ear themselves, you know, and say, listen here. You don't talk that way to your mama, you know, but it should never, ever be tolerated. By the way, I have seen eight-year-olds disrespect their mama, you know, where I almost want to go give them a rod and say, there's a back room, you take care of business. And they'll kind of look at me like, no, take care of that. Take care of that. Now, let's kind of hit these characteristics, the sensual fool characteristics. What type of characteristics do they have? Well, they sneak out with the wrong friends. You know, sometimes it's not sneaking out the window. Sometimes they tell you they're going to be at somewhere and they go somewhere else. You know why? Because they know you don't approve of those friends or they should not be hanging around those friends. And they'll sneak out. If this happens, you take care of that. You cannot allow that to go on because if they're sneaking out to go visit friends, they're getting into trouble. You say, well, they're just sneaking out to go. I can't think of anything, but it's going to progress and they're going to get into trouble. They're going to get into trouble. They're involved with drugs or wrong habits. Now, drugs is a big deal, especially in our culture today. But it may not be just drugs or drugs at all. There's drugs, there's alcohol, there's pornography, there's fornication. 
There's gambling. There's all kinds of different things going on. And if kids need definitions of words, I'll let parents take care of that later. <clears throat> this is big deal. This is a big deal. They, this is one of their characteristics. They are in sin. Someone will say pornography is not a big sin. Oh, yes, it is. And it will lead to all kinds of bad paths. It is wrong. It is wrong. It is wrong. And let me tell you, this, they're going out and they're doing these things. And it will get worse and worse. They're engaging in immorality. Remember, their moral compass is messed up. So they're doing things against morals. They're doing things wrong. And then they're skilled in deception. They learn how to hide. They learn how to cheat. They learn how to take mom's money out of her purse. They've learned how to, to, to get away with things. They've learned how to scam and say, hey, Bobby, cover for me. Tell everyone that I'm at your place. They've learned how to lie and cheat. They've learned how to, they're skilled at it. You know, when you're skilled at something, it means you have practice. It means it's not their first time. They got used to it. They may have got caught once or none at all until the time you caught them. But they've been doing it for a while and they're used to it. Let me tell you, that breaks a parent's heart when they found out they've been lied to for a long time. It hurts them badly. This is part of that, that, that brokenheartedness, that bitterness that a mother will have. Because sin will come out eventually. Notice as it goes on. How do we treat a fool? Well, first of all, we turn over to the court system. I'm going to stop here for a little bit. This is where I get hate mail and misunderstanding. My little Johnny, I love him so much. If they're breaking the law, you need to take it to the authority. If you find your kids doing drugs in the midst of it. Now, don't do it hateful. You love on them. You say, this is wrong. Let's go get help and I will be with you every step of the way. If they're stealing, you say, but I don't want to be a tattletale. But this is my, I don't want to see them. No, they're already in trouble. You just be with them every step of the way when you call the authorities, when you get them the help they need. You say, you know, part of the reason why parents don't get the help is not because of the child and what they feel. It's because of their own pride. I don't want everyone to know my little Susie's been, been going around. I don't want everyone to know that Bobby, he's been doing drugs. You know, what happens is that pride gets involved with the parents and they're afraid what everyone else is going to say. But you know, if you got a church with its salt, you're going to have a church that's going to be praying and helping and going with you. But if not, you still need to think of that child and do what's best for that child. Because if they are not stopped, if they are not helped, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. And I understand this is where people have the hardest part. If their child has already reached this type of fool, it's already because there's been inaction before. And it's going to be hard to start acting now. But let me tell you, the best thing you could do for your child is to give them over to correct authority. Again, this is heartbreaking stuff. But remember, don't abandon them. Don't say, you're done. You be with them every step of the way. That's important because a lot of people will get to where they'll kick people out and say, never talk to me again. No, 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 no. You love them. You love them. 
Another thing is that we need to conquer the three root problems. I'm going to talk about this in just a moment. But uh, this is one of the things we need to do is help them to conquer the three root problems. I'll explain that in a second. Then we need to break wrong soul ties. What is this? What happens is a sensual fool will get attached with someone. Maybe it's a girl. I love her. I love her so much. Oh, and you know that girl is going to get him in trouble. You're going to have to break that tie. Maybe it's their best friend. Oh, man, we are just best friends forever. I mean, we are just woo, intertwined. What happens is that they are lacking discernment and they're attaching themselves to people who are going to get them into worse trouble. Parents, guard your friend, or kids' friends. You have to guard their friends. And there are times that you're going to have to break relationships. You say, but what's going to happen is that I'm going to tell, a, tell little Susie she can't see Bobby anymore and she's going to sneak out of the house. Then what you're admitting is that you have problems in the home and you need help. Because if it's already come to that place, there's a lot of things that need to be fixed and a lot of be, need to be helped. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to be honest. I'm trying to work these things out. Then we need to teach them to understand versus trust. Do you know that a sensual fool is being sensual? There's times that he trusts the wrong people and he doesn't have understanding. Man, I trust this guy with my life. Yeah, and he's probably going to cost you your life and consequences if you don't stop. There, we have to teach them that they have to have understanding. And that there are some people that even though they may have tried to earn your trust, they're not worth trusting. We have to teach them that there's a difference between understanding and trusting. Now, I talked about the three root problems. May I explain this a little bit more? There are secondary symptoms and secondary problems. We all understand what a symptom is, right? A symptom is a result of a problem. For example, you know, you may go to the doctor and say, Doc, I got a headache. And he may give you three aspirin and say, there you go, take that. Do you know he's treating the symptom and not the problem? He's not, you're not having a headache because you have an absence of aspirin in your body. There's a reason why you're having a headache. And so what happens is that even counselors will treat the symptoms and not the problem. But do you know that there are also secondary problems as well as root problems? We also know that there's root symptoms and root problems. I'm going to give an illustration here in just a bit. But we have to understand that there are three root problems. There are three root problems that are the source of almost every sin. What are the three root problems? The three root problems is bitterness. This is why I preach on bitterness so often because bitterness is just unforgiveness. And bitterness is something that can affect Christian, non-Christian, anyone. The second one is materialism or greed. You know, that is a big source for a lot of people's action. And the third one is immorality. Now, let me give an illustration. Let's say that there's a guy... I'm counseling with someone and he is always frustrated with his wife. I mean, he is always, you know, maybe he's abusing her, maybe he's something else. And so what happens is that we begin to examine and we find that the symptom is the actions that he's taken. The secondary root is anger. So he's suffering with anger. But do you know that anger in itself is not a root? There's something that's causing that anger. 
So what you do is that you go back and you examine a little bit more. Do you know that you could have anger because of bitterness towards someone? There could be a, a lady that he's bitter with and he's taken out on his wife. I'm just giving an example. And it could be bitterness. Maybe it's because of greed. You know, money is a big deal. The love of money. This woman steals all my money and she uses it and she's buying like groceries and other stuff. I want to use this money the way that I want to. I want to, you know, maybe it's gambling. Maybe it's something else, but it's mine. Maybe it's, you know, his little hobby, but because she's buying clothes and whatever else, you know, maybe he's got a, a drinking thing that's going on. She's drink, using all my drinking money. You know, and so he has anger because of that. So we recognize that anger is not a root cause, but it's a symptom too. It's a secondary thing. Maybe he's anger because of immorality. That, you know, it's always amazing that the people who get the angriest at sin usually has that sin hidden somewhere. There are people who, let's say that someone has committed immorality in the church and it got caught. Turn them out, get rid of them. And he's just angry and hopping. You know, it could be because there's pornography in his own life. And because of that, he's acting out on something that he's guilty on. And so as a counselor, we have to identify where people are at and identify what is the root cause of this and dig out the root. When dealing with the sensual fool, he has already committed sin and there's all kinds of things going on. And one of the things consequences are going to have to be dealt with but as we're dealing with him as we're trying to help him recover we're going to have to find those roots and dig them out because what happens sin will grow roots and they'll build strongholds and they'll be hard to get rid of and it's going to take time if they want to recover we're going to have to get rid of those roots now here's some applications if you wouldn't mind some people have been asking good questions and so since some people had some of the same questions I wanted to give some applications and help. First of all, when the lost fool gets saved, so we understand that lost people can become fools. When lost people become saved, they almost get a reset and God is able to reverse the stage of fools. That when they get saved, God remakes them from the inside and that's a blessing. Now, one thing they'll have to do is they'll struggle with habits developed from being a fool. And I've learned in my experience and from what I believe from the Bible is that how well they conquer these is how much they fall in love with the Lord, dedicate themselves to the Lord, and discipleship's applied as early as possible. Because if not, some of these old lifestyles will develop up. Let's say that pride, let's say they hit the second stage of fools and they have pride and they have a know-it-all. If they don't get properly discipled quickly if they're not totally sold out what happens is they keep that idea that they know it all and they become hard to rebuke they become hard to teach and that's something they have to struggle with and the answer is the Lord they fall in love with the Lord that stuff falls away but uh, lost people it's almost easier to reset them especially once they get saved you start teaching them and they fall in love with the Lord they can get they can reverse the fooldom pretty quickly you know, it's all answered and following for the Lord. Here's another question. What about saved people? Can saved people be fools? They can. Saved people can be fools. Which is unfortunate, but it's almost harder because they're already born again. Now, the one advantage that we do have 
is that when dealing with the saved people, the Holy Spirit lives with inside of them. You know that's a great advantage because God already lives inside of them. And God can make them a lot more uncomfortable than I can. God can cause things in their life to get their attention. And some of it is hard. <clears throat> but the Holy Spirit lives with inside of them. As we go with this, never discount the work of God within someone's life. God is always at work. And we can need to make sure that we never stop praying, working, and loving for people. We need to love on them. We need to keep working. I'm going to give a Bible verse for this in just a second. But God is always at work. If they're saved, we can trust. God will not, God will not allow them to continue to get away with sin without any consequences. Now, they may ignore the consequences and they get worse and worse. By the way, if God doesn't take you outside the woodshed, you are not saved. The book of Hebrews clearly says that. If you are not convicted over sin, if God doesn't spank you, if he doesn't correct you, you are not saved. But here's the answer. You can get saved. And we'd love to. If a fool is not miserable, if a fool can continue to gamble and look at pornography and continue to sleep around and anything else, and he is not corrected by the Lord, he's not saved. He is not saved. The answer is that they need to say, I need the Lord. But for those who are saved, we all have people who are around us that we maybe think they're saved, but they're not living for the Lord. God is always at work. God is is more interested in getting them back to Him than we are. What is our responsibility to this? The book of Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6 verses 1 and 2 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, which is supposed to be us, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Our job is always to be ready to rescue the perishing, care for the dying. That we're to love on them. You know, if someone ever leaves this church because of church discipline or because of something here, they should always feel like they could come back. If that doesn't happen, there's something wrong in the church. But they should always feel that no matter what, they should always come back. By the way, the same thing should be true in your family. The family member who is who is gone, who has gone away with the world, they should always feel like they could come back to you and you would still love on them. Now, that doesn't mean cater to them or enable them or anything, but they should always know that you were glad to love on them. That's part of our responsibility, spiritual. And by the way, that's hard because when it deals with family, feelings get involved and pride gets involved. Let me give you an illustration, and I asked my brother if I could use this illustration a couple minutes before service start. My brother went through the stages of fools. I'm still trying to determine how far he went, but he went pretty far. I think he was up to scorner. Um, But my brother, I love him a lot. He came to know Jesus Christ as Savior, I think near the age of 14. And he got saved, was baptized, and, and truly born again. But unfortunately, 
because of bitterness and rebellion, uh, he went crazy. I left to go to the military and that lifted up some of the restraints and it also put the uh, attention of other people on him instead of both of us. And so he bore the brunt of it and that rebellion, remember this is already part of that fooldom, because of bitterness, what is the root problem? Bitterness. That rebellion comes up because of that bitterness. He became very mouthy. He was skipping school. He was hiding. He was already deceptive. When I left to go to the military, the floor fell out and it got worse. He got to the place where he was drinking, underage. He was smoking. He was womanizing. He was involved in all of that, breaking everyone's heart. A lot of people said, well, is he really saved? One of the things that would happen when I would get off military leave is I would come and I would see my brother and with an open Bible, I would say, Brandon, you know what the Bible says? And you know, the conviction hit him and he would say, I know, I want to obey the Bible. I know what I'm supposed to do. But what would happen is that he would get with his friends and they would make the choice for him. You see, he never made a specific decision to follow after the Lord. He allowed others to make the decision for him. And so he ends up going drinking and whatever else, and he gets involved. He went through several DUIs where he got caught. He spent time in jail. He had torn relationships with ladies and all kinds of things. His beautiful, precious wife now, she put up with a lot of junk in his life. She is amazing. I'm thankful for him. I can't wait till you guys get to meet them. I may give, let him give his testimony. He was rugged. He was rough. He's an old rough and tumble cowboy. You know, there's all kinds of stories. He was one of those guys that if you say, I dare you to do this, he'll do it. And we got all kinds of cool stories where he hugged a cactus and stuff, you know, just. One of the things that happened to my brother a couple of years ago is that he was riding with a friend and they were doing nothing wrong. They were driving in a dirt road in South Dakota and he just happened not to be wearing his seatbelt. He was on the passenger side. And they, on the dirt road, they happened to hit a patch where the truck slid and started to flip. Because he wasn't wearing his seatbelt, he kind of went out the window and he was hanging halfways in and halfways out when the truck rolled five times with his back outside the window. It crushed his vertebra, but praise the Lord, it didn't touch his spinal cord. He has back problems now, but one of the results from this is he went back to church. He got right with the Lord. He's a soul winner now, and he goes soul winning in his church. He's even preached a couple times, and he has a heart to go to, to um, jail and, and try to preach to those people and try to tell them about the Lord. But he reached those types of fooldom. But one thing that we always knew and that we had to trust on because we had no other evidence at times, God is always at work. God is always at work. By the way, he's not perfect now. He still has lots of issues and he'll tell you that. Well, one of the things is that God delivered him from fooldom. Even though he was saved, he was still a fool and had progressed pretty far. But God is able to help. And one of the things that I personally think helped is that he had some people like me, I hope I was one of them, that was available to help restore him and help point him towards the Lord as those times came. But let me tell you, he broke a lot of people's hearts. 
He broke my heart. He broke my parents' heart. He severed relationships. He hurt a lot of people along the way. And he'll tell you that too. But our God is a great God who's able to restore and able to work. So how do we apply this message? First of all, self-check. How are you with authority? If authority asks you something to do, is your first response to arch your back, to have the hair stand up and ready to say, who are you to tell me what to do? You understand authority is there to help. Authority is there to help. It's a heart issue. All of this is a heart issue. How is your heart? Second of all, what about around you check? Are there fools around you? Are there children around you that need to be stopped? Maybe they're not at this stage, but maybe this is a good warning to stop them before they get to this stage. If they are at this stage, you need to take care of them. Or you need to help someone take care of them, depending on where they're at. Then you need to pray for them. You know, we have lost the idea of fasting from our vocabulary. You know, Jesus says in Mark chapter 9 that these things come not by by prayer and fasting. Sometimes we love someone enough to pray for them, but we don't love them enough to fast for them. You'd be amazed what fasting can do if someone got serious with it and said, I really want them to come back to the Lord. We don't need to stop praying for people. We need to bring them back. We need to love on them the best we can. Our prayers matter. And then we as a church... This is my commitment. If there's a fool, we will deal with them biblically. If there's church discipline under my watch, we will discipline them properly. By the way, biblical discipline means they're removed from the church and from fellowship. means Facebook and all that other stuff. And that's hard because family gets involved in whatever else. But we will always keep a door open so anyone who leaves, whether church discipline or they have a problem with pastor, we're always going to make it so they should always feel like they could come back once they get right with the Lord. That's the type of spirit we should have. That's the type of atmosphere we should have is that if they come back, we'll be glad to have them and restore them if possible. But we have to be aware of who's around us and understand where people are at and bring them to the Lord. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.